0: Welcome to Because You Need to Know, recorded live at the Cohen Multimedia Studio at Chautauqua Institution. I'm Edwin K. Morse, President and Founder of Pioneer Knowledge Services. This series is your digital resource of valuable conversations with nonprofit and knowledge management enthusiasts from across industries and from around the globe. And today's guest is Dr. Annie Green. Annie is a published author, speaker, lecturer, journal reviewer, and a member of several brain trust think tanks. She was the co-founder of the Knowledge Management Education Forum, served as a chair of the Association for Intelligent Information Management KM Competencies team, served as the chair of the International Conference on Intellectual Capital and Knowledge Management 2013. She is the creator of the Framework of Intangible Valuation Areas, a model that identifies intangible assets within the business structure. She also has created the Business Reasoning Analytics Intelligence Network, a model that identifies the components to establish artificial intelligence in the business enterprise structure. She has a Doctor of Science from George Washington University and a Master's of Information Systems from George Mason University. Her KM focus is on building an architecture that leverages data, intelligence, and knowledge to build a thinking organization. She has built a career on the effective and efficient operations of organizations and she prides herself on being an evangelist for individual and organizational thinking that leverages data intelligence, and knowledge. What's going on with KM?
1: Um, I think KM is stagnant, and I think KM has been absorbed by technology. Oh. Yeah, I think I'm still back kind of where I was when I first kind of got into KM. Um, And, you know, of course, my spectrum was also to get value out of it. But one of my biggest concerns was we never engineered KM. We never laid out exactly what the components were and what we wanted to do with it. Mm. And we move forward. So we moved forward with all of these stovepipe ways of doing it. And I think we spent a lot of time trying to just justify the name KM. Mm. And by the time we did, technologists had taken over and said, look, we can get you knowledge and we can mm. get you this in the system. And you know what? It'll help your business.
0: Everything kind of drifted towards a business intelligence type of mentality versus a cultural mm. mentality.
1: Absolutely. But you know, that wasn't a bad thing because this is intelligence. And I think we've jumped over knowledge management, which is uh, uh, not a horrible thing, but we have got to realize the integration of those two. In order Mm. for us to have knowledge, we've got to put together the intelligence that gives us the insight that directs the actionable data of the knowledge that we get.
0: Right. Right.
1: So, you know, it bringing up business intelligence just supports the fact that we didn't engineer it because how can we manage what we never engineered?
0: So talk to me about, uh, I I understand that you really got to have an intentional design of what you want with this. I mean, uh, things, successes by leaps and jerks is not a way for an operation to operate, uh, so to speak. So how does an enterprise come at it with more of a formulated way?
1: You know, the, the interesting thing is, we're now with everybody saying the data driven enterprise, right? That's what it's always been. You know, we focused, at, I have to say, with knowledge management, we focused mainly on intellectual capital and people in yeah. the beginning. Mm-hmm. And one of my statements was always if the people are not ready, and here's that readiness thing again, you can always look at the data, which is explicit. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we really focused on the data. And the data kept growing, but we kept working with people. And then we began to realize that, you know, we were having difficulty getting people together and collaborating, you know, those Mm same types of interactions. Mm -hmm. So data, though, if we take the time to identify the key elements or the key performance indicators or even the measures that we need, and then we start to what I call cross-pollinate them, then we do have the structure and we're putting the relationship together. But here's what I think kind of skewed it too. We have a new value component of intangible assets. When we're looking at explicit data, we're looking at tangible, financial.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we may have some data that actually gives us insight into the intangible piece of it, which is okay. And then some of it we may not have, but we've got to develop that. Mm-hmm. So that we can begin capture the data, and we can begin to marry it up with what exists.
0: Well, then, and that's kind of that void of not knowing what you don't know, right? Absolutely. So, how do you fill that gap? How does an organization fill that gap? Is that an HR responsibility? Where Where does that come from?
1: No, not with data. I think that that comes from, um, and, and you know, this is that integration again with AI. Because remember. When we were dealing with knowledge management, we jumped into business intelligence, which wasn't successful. Mm. Um, and now we're in artificial intelligence. And the interesting thing is we're going to come back in a circle because you can't have um, with intelligence. The next step is you have to have knowledge, which is action. OK. We need to go back. And, I, and I'm not saying that it's, it's, a, it's actually a partnership with I.T., the business units are responsible for that data, even though it's represented in a computer. Mm-hmm. It is their information that they understand. OK, so we've got to understand these sources of data and we've got to clearly understand the elements and their purpose and use in what we're trying to do. So, so is, is,
0: earth- is, is the foundation of all that just purely organizational learning?
1: Um, I wouldn't say organizational learning. I think the foundation of all of this is we're doing is data management. Oh, okay. We have to have the data architecture first, mm-hmm. and then we move it up through the, um, the stages.
0: So do you have an example of where that exists or where you've seen that uh, to the fidelity of what you're explaining?
1: I, I think it's all over. I mean, people who have Salesforce, people who have IBM, people who have um, even statistical packages, and they also have uh, strategy uh, departments, they have it. The mm. question is, do they have the right data? Have we actually laid out the right data? Like, for example, even when you go back to data management, um, when databases are built, whether they're relational, whether they're network, however they're built, they build relationships in them using what we used to do, entity relationship diagrams. Right. Correct?
2: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Okay. So those relationships are there. But however, when we pull the data out of those da- databases to put them into file-type system-type structures um, so that we can use them in analytics, we don't bring over those relationships.
0: So the, that's kind of the weak link at this point is I, I understanding. Of, mm-hmm. uh, okay. All right. So is there, I think
1: that's one of the weak links. Mm-hmm.
0: So that's kind of a, that, and when you're saying that I'm thinking like forensics, right? You're doing a, mm-hmm. you're doing a really uh, comprehensive understanding of not just the data pieces and the buckets they represent, but what are the interrelated boy that, that, that that's going to take a lot, right?
1: Um, I'm not sure. I don't think so. I think that we got away from data management. And once again, um, one of the things that I think we need to do is learn how to integrate properly because people have certain skill sets. And what happens is we jump over those skill sets every time we get something new come on the market. Like right now we have the data science scientists. Mm -hmm. Okay, how does the data scientist play into that? How do they connect back with data management? How do they connect back with those database developments? Now, there used to be DBAs. There were people who understood data and there was um, governance around data. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to do data dictionaries. You had to identify each of your elements. And, of course, in the year of 2000, those things became extremely important as well. And, you know, you, you tied that into your records management because, of course, in your organization, you want to keep your records straight so that you can go back and retrieve them when necessary. Mm-hmm. So you had naming conventions for them. You had uh, navigation ways for them. You had ways that you could understand how that data was actually filtering up through the organization so that you could eventually put it into those strategic reports or those tactical and operational types of initiatives. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying that it's going to be hard because here's the, the view that comes back and probably a lot of studies show this. There are experts in that field that could do it quite quickly. But if you decide that you don't want that skill level, Then, yes, if you get someone who is not quite versed in it, it's going to take much longer.
0: Well, this all sounds like for large companies, everything we've been talking about is for, I would assume, big to large multinationals uh, thing. But what about the small organization? Do they have to have this fidelity? And where does that come into for understanding how knowledge management fits in for them?
1: It's, it's a lot easier, I think, for smaller companies because their structures are much smaller. Hmm. So it is the same thing. Um, they're capturing not maybe the same information, right. but they're actually putting the same structure in, but it's scalable. Their structures are going to be not quite as um, extensive as a huge mm-hmm. organization.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But they still have to, even as a small company, you still have to understand the data which you're capturing. And then how you can leverage that data to improve your performance right. of either your employees, your um, your product and your service. And again, it will relate back to their strategy. If that particular small organization or small mom and pop organization mm-hmm. is not looking to become mm-hmm. this huge enterprise, then, I mean, the owner or even the, you know, the, the child of that owner, if you have it laid out, can put that into place for them. Mm-hmm. But they still have to understand
0: the data that they're working with well, and it kind of as you keep uh, poking the the data con- concept, it, it almost comes to the point where it's like uh, it's not so much the survey results, it's the questions. It's more important, right? How do you ask the question and that's what I, I keep hearing is how do, you, how do you get the right data and how do you identify what you don't know? It almost seems like you would have to have somebody from outside looking in to be able to identify gaps much easier than being inside.
1: That could happen. Yeah. If if you have your strategy or you identify the questions, mm-hmm. you know, because the questions can be parsed and the questions can be uh, directed back to the data that answers the portion of the question that you're asking. So, yes, I mean, sometimes you might want to bring an outside source in with a new set of eyes that can look at it and say, but this is what you said that you wanted. Mm -hmm. But however, this is what you're capturing, Mm -hmm. you know, but part of that too is um, even with bringing someone outside and and you've heard with even knowledge management, we need those taxonomies and we need those, um, those mappings so that even if you bring somebody outside, they don't misinterpret what it is you need or what it is you're getting from your data.
0: How does that all tie in, and who draws it for a strategic view? So we've talked about data management, we've talked about knowledge management. Those are all hinge points for me around whatever the infrastructure is, mm-hmm. the organization, right? Whatever, mm-hmm. whatever they're using, however they're doing the information communication technologies. So, yeah. who like who the, drives the bus?
1: Um the the leadership drives the bus. Okay. Um, just like you with financial, hmm. you have names of financial, what you're trying to do. I'm trying to increase the revenue. I'm trying to decrease the expenses. OK. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you can put those specifics. OK. What are you trying to do on the other side with knowledge? Mm-hmm. Am I trying to identify where my profitable employees are? Am I trying to identify, um, you know, how my branding plays in the marketplace with my competitors? Um, you, you got to be specific with that. What, what Just like you did with financial, non-financial or intangible, you've got to name it and say what it is you want to do. And then you break that down into a formula because see, that's what mm. ties you into we have the data, now we're building the intelligence and that intelligence is going to give us actionable data that's going to flow into your knowledge management. Mm-hmm. Now, it can flow into knowledge management in two ways. It can flow into it that it's a way, a small way of improving an operation. And when you want that, then you want the path to take that up. You know, how do I communicate it to the right person? How do I verify that they are using it? How do I um, make certain that they're getting the outcomes they're supposed to be getting? Mm -hmm. And how do I tie it back to some value so that I see that it is actually contributing to the performance of the organization? That sounds like a lot. (laughs) <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me tell you any engineering concept is a lot, yeah, we we go back um to systems engineering because knowledge management is a discipline and is also a system.
0: But is it also and, an art?
1: Well, I mean, art falls into all of it. I mean, that's why mm. now we have art added back to stem, you know, steam
0: right, right.
1: because ultimately, it goes between two audiences. You have a technical audience and then you also have a business audience mm-hmm. and you must convert it so that it talks in a language, to the business, um, to the business user. Good but point. the business user also has to communicate back to the technical user so that it can be um, constructed and architect to provide them the visual that they need.
0: Mm-hmm. That interpretation, right? The, 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 Absolutely. Make it, make it useful to me. You know, it's like looking Absolutely. at a spreadsheet of numbers. Okay, great. I don't know what that means, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So
1: yeah, right now the person who does that is the data scientist, but they can't do that effectively unless the business has given them the right data.
0: When you compared it to the chief operations officer, a CFO, or somebody that's looking at the numbers, who, can you kind of give me an overview of what you think a KM audit would look like for an organization? What would be the things you would look at?
1: Well, I'll, I'll go back on experience and looking at a KM audit. Okay. Um, because there are two sides to KM, there is the um, explicit and then there is the, um, the tacit. Okay. So going up those two paths, of course, with the explicit, I want to do a data and an information ma- mapping so that I can see what I have on that side. Okay. okay. And then on the other side, I want to do a um, social mapping, a relationship mapping or mm. knowledge mapping or knowledge mm. of people, okay? Once I have those mappings, once we have those two views, we can then begin to start looking into it to identify the gap, okay? Mm. And we can also start looking to see what we have in place that we can move forward with mm-hmm. to gather some of those low-hanging fruits. As you said, it's a lot. Yep. You, you cannot expect for this to be an overnight epiphany. Right. This is going to be an initiative that you have got to intentionally plan and that you've got to look to see where you get the, the, um, the low and the um, high leverages out of it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what you're going to do is you're going to scale up. You're, you're going to scale up. You know, I'm a systems engineer by trade, uh, which comes into strong play with my um, process understanding. And then, you know, of course, I went into artificial intelligence and then into knowledge management and my whole structures are coming back together. So when I look at KM, and even when I look at AI, I look at it from a system perspective, and I say, what components do I need in place to ensure that this is operational and that I'm getting the outcomes that I'm expecting?
0: In that structure, in that specified engineering type framework, how do Mm -hmm. you create space for free range collaboration? You know what I mean? Just that the natural social structure of space sharing.
1: That, that's part of the methodology that you put into place. I mean, with knowledge management, part of that is setting up communities, communities of hmm. practice, communities of interest. Uh, that free space is absolutely there. I, again, I, I look at the components and one of the things that you want to do is you want to make them highly cohesive and not so tightly coupled. You know, I want them to be able to work independently, but I want to know where the integration points are that I mm. can
0: have. Can you, can you go deeper on that?
1: Yes. Like, for example, I mean, if I'm gathering, and I'll, I'll use it from this perspective, data management, I'm managing all of my data, right? Mm-hmm. And I've been in organizations where they take all of the data and dump it into a data warehouse. And it's like, why are you doing that? If I know my data, then I should know my strategic points. I should know the key performance indicators and also the measures that I need to move forward into a separate database, which would give me my intelligence. Now, over time, I'm monitoring and that may change, okay? So the thing is, these two units now working independent of each other, but if I need to get the information, I can connect back to my transactional database and then go down further, that deep learning to see something that has happened, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, in knowledge management, I can also take that forward. And again, I'm not going to couple it so tightly that they break when they, you know, that they can't break when they work together. I want to be able to stream my data. I want to be able to um, have the data somewhat manual, somewhat augmented. And I need to see those areas and know the best way that it works. Mm -hmm. And then here's the thing. Even if you give people autonomy of doing things, and this is the way you kind of control it. And this is has, has existed. You got organizational learning. So you're going to be looking into it to see which one is bringing value. Mm-hmm. Again, that's another one of those integrations. Let's integrate that into organizational learning so that we are more cognizant of how we should move forward. And this will get you because what jumps in then is change management. See, all of those things work together. Yeah. I don't just make a change based on the first outcome. I need to verify and uh, I need to validate and verify it Mm -hmm. before I actually put it into my operations. Because you know what? You can have something that occurs one time that gives you a great bang for your buck. But sometimes in operations, you need things that are continuous. Mm -hmm. And so then that takes you on up to, I mean, with the change, you have evidence and then you have performance. And that whole thing is developed so that people are the center focus in it. And in this day and time, you have to do that because we're flatlining our um, organizational structures and you've got to give people autonomy to work, but you also have to give them some guidelines so that you have them tied back to the moral compass of the organization.
0: And that that all comes with the design and intent of what they're in the space they're working, right? That all comes from, that's got to be provided. They've got to have the map and tools in order to operate.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And when we start t- talking about design thinking, that's a major part of it. You yeah. know, yeah. design thinking has, um, has not changed from the past when we would do design and we would also do optimization types of models to make certain we were on the right path.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, as we wrap up here, I want to ask you, mm-hmm. what is your definition of knowledge management?
1: My definition of knowledge management is, and, and I just sum it up in two words because I always look at it this way, actionable data. Mm. something that can drive me to make a decision. And when I say drive me to make a decision, um, I want to be clear that I'm not saying to do something. Because even if I get data that tells me that something is working at optimum, Mm -hmm. then my action might be to do nothing, which is a decision.
0: Ah, well, as always, it's a complete joy to chat with you. And thank you very much for your time.
1: Thank you, Evelyn, and I'm glad to be reconnected. Recorded live at the Cohen
0: Multimedia Studio at Chautauqua Institution, because you need to know is designed to bring people's experience and their knowledge forward to be shared. I'm Edwin K. Morris, and I thank you for joining in to listen to another conversation brought to you as a public service of Pioneer Knowledge Services, a nonprofit tax-exempt organization with a charitable knowledge management purpose.